and welcome to Seducing Aliveness. I am Jen Halterman, one of your hosts, and this is my co-host, Tamara Yonker. Hi, Tamara. Hello, hello. <laughs> you feeling a little saucy today? I am, <laughs> yes. I live for the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's hope the microphone is cooperative as we play in the sauce today, because I think it'll be perfect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, share my shenanigantics. Um, I was making some pesto cream sauce, and um, right when I got on the phone to connect in the virtual studio with Jen, I dropped the microphone right in the sauce. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be my kind of party foul. <laughs> So, oh my gosh! Seems to be working okay. <laughs> seems to be fine. It's just a little bit more tasty now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you happen to be connecting with us as we are continuing on with our hacking the operating system series, and all about self worth these days is really what we're focused on. And today we are continuing on this week's focus of the drama triangle or this refaces of fear which is a psychological thing and Tamara will explain in a moment but today we are talking about the villain so mm-hmm. Tamara you did it yeah. so well on the previous show will you talk about what is this when for somebody that says I, what is the drama triangle what are you talking about will you talk about that for a minute please I will yeah um Three faces of victim or drama triangle interchangeably, you can kind of use that. And and a lot of people recognize victim as sort of one thing. And there's really multiple ways that we play out these roles, and there's multiple faces of victim. Victim is kind of the obvious one, the martyr, um, self-sacrifice, um, the people who, you know, act as if they're helpless, powerless, that kind of thing. But then the other part of the triangle, one of the other parts of the triangle is the persecutor or the victim or the bully or um, you could even maybe say uh, the narcissist. Uh, There's different ways of looking at this. And then the third one is the rescuer or the savior or the hero or the helper, the caretaker. There's different roles that these three faces of victim play, and they're all on the triangle. And um, this was invaluable to me when I first learned about it. Well, I first learned about it a long time ago, and it meant nothing. But then as I started recognizing that I was playing these roles, that I was bouncing around, because we just kind of shift. We'll start in one position, and then we shift to another position, then another position. It kind of depends on who we're interacting with. With one person, I might play the victim. With another person, I might play the rescuer. With another person, I might play the bully. Um, so different different people, different circumstances. Sometimes, you know, if you're at work, you might play one role predominantly. And then at home, you might, might play a different role predominantly. And with your friends, you might play a different role predominantly. So we kind of just dance around on the drama triangle, shifting from one position to another. But all of them are three faces of victim. And um, today, we're going to talk about the villain, the persecutor, the bully, um, <clears throat> the dominator, the one who always oh. has to have everything under control their way, and they're always telling everyone else what to do. And often it can be a, it, it can be violent. It can be it can be vicious. It can be attacking. It can be um, uh, you know very domineering, and even it can ex- go all the way into the extreme of violence. So that's what we're looking at today. And not, I mean, you yeah. can't talk about any one of them without talking about all of them. But but we're going to kind of um, really delve into that particular role today. Mm-hmm. And it's juicy. I love this topic. Yeah. I was actually reflecting on the previous topic, which was about the focus on the the victim that stays victim, the helpless, the powerless, and. I have this memory come up that I had an interaction with a a friend that would say to me, you don't know what it's like to be the victim. You don't know what it's like to always be the target. You don't know how hard it is because you always have it together. 
And I can remember literally standing there like, wait, am I supposed to defend myself or am I, does this mean I suck? Like I couldn't understand. It wouldn't, it, I, it just didn't compute. In my reality, I didn't even know what she was talking about. And the truth is, victim, the way she played it out, made me look like the perfect hero, the perfect savior, the one who had it all together. Because I didn't play it out the same way, I was different. So therefore, instead of like actually staying on the place of, you know, having it together, I it was so easy for me to kind of be sideswiped and find myself being attacked as if I were the villain, like there was something to defend against me. And this was so confusing for me. I'm telling you, I, I remember sitting down being facilitated by a coach, just trying to even have anybody explain to me what was going on. And in that facilitation, my coach looked at me and said, why are you trying to understand the game that is being played when it's not your game? And that was what kind of turned on the light for me, like, oh, it's not, this isn't my game. But how many of us play out trying to figure out the game somebody's playing when it's really not even ours. And I bring this up because if you are not playing the game somebody's playing, quite often treat you and it'll be projected at you as if you are the villain because you're not buying into their story of victimhood. So they, so that validation of, see, you don't care. You won't play my game. You won't validate me as the victim as less than means you're mean and unkind. And so I, this is, this is actually one of the roles, one of the places, the games, the whatever that I got to be really curious about because it was so easy for me to go into judgment of myself and say, you're right. I won't play into their game. I guess that does make me the villain. And I saw it as a bad thing. I separated from myself of saying, I'm just not playing the game. And I bought into the judgment of, I am wrong because I won't play the game. And so this is huge. (laughs) This is huge. I know this is really huge. And I don't even know if that translated. Like, I know what I was saying, but does it make any sense out there, Tamara? It does. And, you know, that, I mean, that's what, what the beauty of taking a week to do this is we're going to unpack all of this stuff. Like yesterday's show, we kind of got in there. We, like, we got into the nitty-gritty and we got into the details and we started really unpacking all of this and we just got started yesterday. We're going to unpack it further today, tomorrow, the next day. And, and that is such a um, – there's a few things that you said that are worth repeating. Oh, and we might even say them several times during this show today. <laughs> Um, but one of the biggest ways that people defend victim is by saying exactly what you said. You just don't understand what it's like. Okay. You just, like, in other words, you just don't know what it's like to be me. Whatever yep. the person feels that they're they're up against, whatever their struggle is, whatever their challenge is, whatever, when when they are defending their position as victim, these words, this sentence, is a giant neon sign of somebody who is defending their position as victim you just don't somebody is offering a possibility advice help whatever somebody's offering something to them and they go right into you just don't know what it's like you just don't understand what it's like that is somebody who's defending vehemently their position as a victim and what that can do is it can almost trigger us, whoever is interacting with that person, to go into <laughs> rescue mode. Well, I'm going to help you. It can't be all that bad. Can't you just see it the way I see it? It's like it, it can trigger people right into that helper. Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to caretake you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. Because we see something that they don't see. Or, they're, okay. or they just don't want to see it because they, they, they're committed to playing the victim. So it, can, it prompts us almost to jump right on the triangle with them and be like, I'll help you, I'll save you, I'll rescue you. Or, uh-huh. as you were saying, if, if um, we're not buying into their story, 
then we are going to, then the projection is going to become that you just don't understand, and now because you don't understand, you're now the villain. Yep. I I mean it's it's and uh, so many examples where I I did that I was um, totally in my in my story years ago many years ago this is like seven years ago I was totally in my story and I thought there was a particular facilitator that was going to help me like I kind of concluded that they had the answer like you're going to help me out of this uh-huh. and so when I went to them and I told them my big old story and they just kind of looked at me like mm hmm. And this is this is where what's kind is can be so distorted. What's like if because we all play on this triangle until we don't, it's like if we are expected to collude with the story. We're expected to demonstrate we care by colluding with the story. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And and oh my God, you have it so hard. And oh my God, I see where you're the, in the victim all of this. I see how none of this is your fault. I see how you have no power to change it. I see how you're helpless. We are mm-hmm. expected to collude with the story of helplessness and powerlessness. And when we don't, that person can get really angry. And here's me. So I've got my big story. I tell my facilitator my big story. I'm expecting my collusion. And guess what? He didn't do it. He didn't collude. He just kind of, it's really interesting because it's an energy that I couldn't identify then because I was so deeply in my story. It was an energy of caring that is not participatory. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to participate in your game. I'm actually going to be an energy of caring that allows you the space to choose something different. But all I wanted was somebody to make me feel better by validating my story. Just validate my story. Just make me feel better by validating my story. And he wouldn't do it. And I got so mad. I got so mad that I I just I made it all about him. I was like, well, he just he just you know he just doesn't care. I, I don't even remember what the the language that I used, but I basically created separation with my judgment, and then that lasted a couple of years. I remember going back um, later, a couple of years later, when I had finally realized what occurred, and I was like, oh, I kind of need to apologize to you because I made you wrong for not colluding with my story. I made you wrong for not validating my bullshit. And now I want to, and and the reason I went back and talked to him about it is because I created the separation and I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to cut that shit out. Like I was like, I don't, I don't like the separation that is, that I created. So I want to, I want to, uh, stop that. Like I want to let you know that I'm now aware that I created it and I want it to stop. And he just, you know, he didn't make me wrong for what I did. He just was grateful. He's like, okay, in this moment, great. Now we have a chance to move forward in a different space together. Uh-huh. It was beautiful. And and I was so grateful for that experience because then I was like, okay, so now I know that where am I doing that with others? Where am I colluding with their story? Where am I buying their horseshit story? Because then I just jump in the yep. victim right with, right with them. Then I'm just like, oh, yeah, yep, yeah, okay, we're all victims here. So it's so yep. interesting how this 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 game and this is what we're unpacking all week is how the game is played and all the different varieties. Well, there's no possible way we could talk about all the different varieties in 5 days, but we're going to unpack as many as we can. We're going to illuminate as many of these nooks and crannies where we hide in the victim and the rescuer and the perpetrator as we can. Um, I love yesterday, Jen, how you talked about, um, I have this image in my mind, you shared how you were in a, I think it was a coaching program, and they were actually, um, like I, I imagine this big, these, this big area, this big space, like a big room, and in one corner of the you know, triangle, you've got, you've got like rescuer on the, on the floor, like you've got, like this is the rescuer area, and then over here in the other part of the triangle is the perpetrator area, and then over here is the victim area. And and I imagine like this would be such a, a fun game. I'm like this would be a, such a fun game. Oh, it's so a great somebody gets workshop. in the center. Yeah, do it. yeah, yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. gets in the center and starts telling your story, and it's like, okay, so where on the triangle do I go? 
Do I go over here to bully? Do I go over here to, to savior? Do I go over here to, to victim? Like, where do I go based on my story? What story? And then, and then continue to tell the story and see how it changes. And, oh, yeah, I'm victim over here, but now I'm, now I'm the villain over here, or I'm the rescuer over there. I just think that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. It's like playing it out in real time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do when I do the, the play shops, the workshops that are they're active. They're in people are actually were engaged. It's kind of a I don't even know. It's crazy. It's what it is. And I love to do that because the other thing that comes out of it is you when you're telling your story and you're witnessing somebody try to run through all the role changes that take place in one story, you get an external expression of how exhausted you are inside from running around on the triangle yourself. Right. And, and oh man. Is, yeah, it's freaking hysterical. Like there was one time there we were on a wood floor and we were literally like taking off shoes so we could slide because the changes, the transitions were so fast that walking was too slow. Like five steps was too slow. And and when you see that externally, okay, when you see it play out externally and you are able to witness it and you sense internally, that's what I do inside of me all day long. That's what goes on inside of me. I'm always figuring out what role I'm playing, and you see it externally. You realize just exactly that exhaustion that people talk about and so tired. Yeah, probably, and it's more than physical. It is more than physically fatigued. It is you are fucking exhausted from the story and all that the story you're living into requires. And um, what was brought to our attention was that on show, let's see, 33, we talked about the mirror projection. Then 34, we talked about making our stories our reality. If this piece of this week shows, these conversations appealed to you, I really encourage you to go back and listen to those shows because they play into this really well. Because when you get in that story and you believe it, you buy it, and you're seeking validation, what you're trying to do is convince people to come in and not just validate, but buy into all of what is required, all the lies, all the truths, all the bullshit, all, all of everything, okay? Buy into everything that you're buying into to keep the story true. And if they don't, now they have claimed by not buying into it, they have now become somebody that you can assign a role on the triangle, whether they're playing or not. Just simply saying, I'm, no, I, okay, I get that you're upset. I'm just not going to buy into the story. And it's not because I don't love you. It's actually because I do care for you. And I'm just going to, you know, what else is possible here? Is there another option? And stay out of the story and just really not get into those positions. Sometimes you can be assigned a place on that game and you don't even have to play. You do not have to play. But you can be assigned it in somebody's story. Yep. Which is why I think it's so good to know that it's a game because so many of us take this so fucking serious that if we find out somebody's making us a villain, we think we need to defend ourselves instead of going, yeah, that's their story. I'm not even in it. I don't care if they use my name or they're choosing a likeness of me to try to make me the villain of their story. It's not me. And go on with your life that you're creating, not theirs. Mm-hmm. And and that's a lot how the victim position will manipulate, right? So <clears throat> um, if you are unwilling to be the bad guy, because the villain is generally seen as the bad guy. If you are unwilling to see the be the bad guy and somebody's doing their well you just don't understand, you just don't know what it's like. You know, this is like people love to make their situation special. I am the only one in the history of all time and 7.5 billion people on the planet who has ever faced this difficulty. No one else could possibly understand the the challenges I'm facing. I'm the only one. And if you don't, um, the bad guy, which 
is the person who does not collude with their story, right? If you're not buying their story, if you're not validating them, if you're not, then then they're you know they they're going to assign you that that position of victim. I mean, sorry, vil- villain. And if you don't want to be the bad guy, what often does this is a manipulative tool that kicks you right mm-hmm. into oh, well, I'm not going to be the bad guy, so I'll help you. Yep. So they're they're using their they're um as they're judging you as the bad guy and then you're like no 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 I can't be the bad guy I can't be the bad guy I'll help you I'll help you no 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 I'll help you no 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 I'm not no no don't worry I'll help you I'll help you this yep. is so effective I tell you what this is so <laughs> effective because what does it look like to make you the bad guy well you just don't care it's, I cannot tell you how quickly people respond to that you just don't care. I'm making you the bad by, by, by telling you that you don't care. Oh, no, no, let me, let me prove to you that how much I care. I'll help you. <laughs> Especially in, in uh, addictive situations because uh, addicts will love the position of victim. They love that one, right? So they're, they're trying to get whatever they're addicted to. And um, as soon as you uh, try and not, you know, as soon as you make that point, you're like, okay, I'm not going to buy into your story anymore that you're a victim. Then they're going to make you the bad guy. They're going to say you don't care. And then you're going to be like, no, I'll, I can't. I got to prove that I'm a caring person and that I love you. So I'll help you. This shit is effective. And we're talking about this so you can see where you're playing the role, where you don't want to be the bad guy, where you turn in the rescuer turn into the rescuer and the savior and the helper and the caretaker because you don't want to be perceived as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So so victims oh love God. to claim their villains as a way to manipulate you into helping them. Very effective. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so effective. It is so effective. So okay, let me get let's give an example because this is the listeners let us know. Okay, tell tell us a story. So that we can <laughs> liken this to real life. So I got a story. So I came into town, Sherry and I, I was just visiting for a time as what I thought. And then I ended up staying and um, I came into town and I'm going out with Sherry. And at the time she was in, you know, this musical situation with this person, they were friends and we go to pick this gal up and we're driving to the gig. And this person from the back seat says, I found an apartment. And Sherry's like, awesome, great, cool. We knew that needed to happen. That was great. She said, yeah, so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. Well, what did you get? Oh, it's on the third floor. Awesome, cool. Now, this is going on. I'm just witnessing it. I'm not attached to any of it or anything. And then I said something like, third floor, wow. And I'm, I already know these apartments. So I know there's not an elevator. And I said, so who's going to help you move? Knowing this is a single gal, just who's going to help you move? And she very cutely changes her voice and says, well, Sherry always moves me. Sitting there, <laughs> my head pivots, and I look at the side of Sherry's head. She's staring out the window of the car and because she was driving. Her eyes are huge, and she, she's like, I am not moving you to a third-floor apartment. She says, I, but you always help me. And she goes into this really sweet, who else can I count on? And I lose it. Like, I lose my shit. I am laughing now in the front seat because I just saw the triangle in play. And so did Sherry. So what ended up happening was in that moment, because the manipulation was so obvious, we instantaneously became the villains. We were instantly the villains because we thought, and there was a simple like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not moving you to a third-story apartment with stairs. No. Uh, you're going to have to find some more help than that. You know, like, I'll help, but I'm not doing that. And it was instant. You've always helped me. You're not helping me. How dare you? And I, at that moment, I was the instant villain because I was the, I was the new factor. See, if I had not been in the car and Sherry had said, I can't do that, 
she would have worked on manipulating her back into the role of hero that she had always had. But because I was in the car, just my very presence guaranteed me villain status. And it never changed. <laughs> That's how easy this plays out. Yep. <clears throat> it really is very subtle. And um, when you when you see it, like when you start seeing it for what it is, you start seeing it everywhere. You can't unknow what you know, which is why we're so excited about revealing all of this on the show, <laughs> because it's really hard to unknow what what you know once you start seeing how these games are played. And <clears throat> it is, you know, and I, so I want to I want to ask the question and and maybe shift the conversation a, a little bit in the direction of mm-hmm. because because yesterday what came up is like in order to play the victim. What do you have to believe about yourself? Yesterday we started with the victim position. In order to play the victim, what do you have to believe about yourself? And one of the things for me that I re- that I revealed over years of journaling about everywhere I was playing the victim is that I had to believe that I was helpless, that I was powerless, that I didn't know how to do something, that I was incapable. I can't. I don't know how. I've never done that before. It's too hard. It's too daunting. I'm overwhelmed. Like, what do you have to believe about yourself to play the victim? So as we're shifting today into this villain role, in order to buy in, right? Like, you, that was a beautiful illustration of where you saw it for what it was, and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not putting on my name tag and playing villain in your story. Not doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. But when you do buy in, um, when people play that, because maybe that's somebody's uh, predominant role. We switch around all the time, but lots of time there's a predominant role. Um, and I'll, I'll give an example. Um, what do you have to believe to play the villain? Mm-hmm. What do you have to believe about yourself? What do you have to believe about the world? What do you have to believe about others? What do you have to believe to play the villain, the persecutor, the bully? Mm-hmm. And um, so here's what I know. It's about control. The dominator, the persecutor, the bully, it's often about control. And why do people do control? It's often in order to feel, to, to ensure that they never have to feel what they don't want to feel. And what's one of the things that people often don't want to feel? They don't want to feel powerless and helpless. So we're beginning to reveal how these things play together, Right. So, so last last uh, last week, I I shared uh, we were we were hacking uh, family loyalty, or or something. I don't know. We were hacking something last week, <laughs> and I shared that my fa- <laughs> my father had delivered um, just like the two days before the sh- we did the show. He did a quote unquote. After everything we've done for you, can't you just do this one thing for us? Mm-hmm. Now that's a bully. <laughs> That's a persecutor. That's someone who's not getting their way because bullies and villains and persecutors um, often always want everything to go their way. That's the controlling position. I mean, they're all controlling, but um, this is the way they do it. And so, so he was getting more and more and more anxious because I wasn't agreeing to do what he wanted me to do. So he pulled out his manipulation card, and the weird thing is, He's, you know, he's, he's yelling, he's getting more intense, and he's yelling, and he's yelling, he's using all his bully tactics, because that's his primary position, he's using all his bully tactics, and when I wasn't giving in, he went right into the victim. After everything we've done for you, can't you just do this one thing for us? <laughs> See how these two things, it's like one is embedded in the other. They're the same, they're two sides of the same face, the face is a victim, so he's bully, 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 bully. Oh, that's not working. Boom, going to shift to victim and try and manipulate you that way. It's, it's like, and so this is my, my dad. He is, this is where I learned to be a control freak of magnitude is from my father because he is so insecure underneath all of this bullying and dominating and, and all of this, you know, attempt to control, manipulate. Under all of that, he's incredibly insecure incredibly incredibly insecure he doesn't believe in himself 
He has Mm -hmm. very little, if any, inner authority. He does not trust himself. And so in the absence of all those things, the only way that he thinks he's going to be safe, that things are going to go his way, and that he'll avoid everything he definitely never wants to experience, is to control the shit out of everything. And the only way he knows how to control everything, because he learned it from his mother, is to be the bully, to yell, to dominate, to threaten. That's what he does. But underneath it, uh, or two sides of the same coin, or we're really talking about three sides, is the victim. I feel powerless to create my life in a way that works for me. I don't know how to do it. I feel powerless, whatever. Whatever his story is, because I don't really know what his story is, whatever that is, so he turns to um, dominating, yell, coerce, push, threaten. Just this other face of victim. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, what I really appreciate about this is sometimes, sometimes that, that distorted caring, that distorted, you know, like, oh, this is how I love you. This is how I love you. I beat the shit out of you so you'll submit to me and do right because I know better for you. Like, it gets so distorted. And sometimes it is so obvious. But let me tell you about one of the most horrendous bullying I ever, ever was a part of that was so subtle and so quick to shift the roles of it that it was actually pretty traumatic. And that is my son was in the hospital. The family was gathered around. And my son was there because he had previously been on drugs. He he was a drug user. It wasn't a secret. And he had been clean and sober for eight months. And the, how he ended up in the hospital was he went and hung out with his old buddies and he thought that he would be fine. And he ended up getting, you know, a form of roofie so that they gave him some drugs, hoping that if he experienced some drugs, he'd come back and be their drug buddy again. So, but that's not the point of the story. He, he's in the hospital. Now, he's only in the hospital because by law, because now there's a criminal case that he is the victim of, he, they have to prove that he truly was clean of drugs. So he has to be there for observation and all this stuff. Okay, great, awesome. But here's what happened. One of the matriarchs in my family gathers all the cousins and all the aunts and uncles around Tom's bed. He is about to leave to go to an in, you know, in-treatment center to make sure that he's good. And the instructions by the hospital staff has been there is to be absolutely nothing that has to do with religion. There's to be because of suicide watch and all, this, all the things they put in place to keep somebody safe um, in that situation were in place. But my mom, thinking that she's being kind and caring, because she believes in saving souls through religion, gathers everybody around and says, you know better. We know you know better. We know you can become worthy. We know you can choose better. Now, let me tell you, from that place, she was heroing his soul, the savior role, okay? It looked that way, but let me tell you what was going on outside of that little teeny um, microcosm of, quote, caring. Security was called. The doctors were alerted, and I was gotten. I was outside filling out paperwork, and they came and got me and said, you must stop her. We will escort her out of the hospital. And I came racing in, and I called and said, stop. And she mid-sentence stops and looks up, shocked because she thinks she's being kind and loving. She thinks she is. She had no concept of the villain she was being by saying, I know what's best for you. You must obey. That is a villain. That is spiritual bullying. And it took a lot of explanation from hospital staff, from security, everybody, for her to even stop having a fit that she had the right to preach a gospel she believes in. And it was, for myself, it was one of the most shocking experiences as I watched people convinced they were being kind or heroic, actually being 
very, very harmful to another person and having no idea they were doing it. And this is why I believe it's so important that we do know what it is to be the villain and what it takes to be a villain so we can recognize when we're being it. Because Mm -hmm. you may not know you're the asshole. You may not know you're the bully. You may not know you're the abuser. And it is taking that that cloak of invisibility off of the villain that lives inside of you and saying, what do I have to believe to play the villain? Well, I would need to believe that I'm right, that I know what's best for everybody, that I have all the answers, so that I can go around and inflict that on everybody and realize, oh, my God, I am being a controlling superior bitch, and I am playing the villain. That's why. This is so important to me because I had to face that when I realized what I had been shown my whole life was kindness and caring and, you know, saving and salvation was actually really unkind. Yep. It's a bully. Yep. Yeah, and this is where, so, you know, in my example, I was kind of giving you that how people slide on the on the triangle from victim to persecutor really quickly, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, or bully. And and what your your story illustrates is that quick slide from bully to rescuer, bully to rescuer, because they, they show up, I'm going to save the day. I am going to save your life. (laughs) I know what's best for you. I know how to save you. I'm the rescuer. I'm the hero. I'm going to save you. I'm going to care, take you into doing the right thing and making the right choice. And, and the thing is, it's a slippery slope. It, It doesn't go far till suddenly you're being the bully because the person is not going along with your heroism. The moment that somebody is like, well, you know, thank you, but I think I'd rather choose for myself, then now you turn into the bully because you're going to make them listen to you. You're going to make them do the thing that you're advising. You're going to force them into it because you know best. As soon as you decide that you know what's best for someone else, you are now on that slippery slope between savior and bully and persecutor and villain. It's just in a blink, in a blink, you shift from, oh, I'm going to be the savior and help you out and save you and rescue you to being the bully because that person doesn't want your help. They don't want what you're offering. And you you can look at it and you can justify it and you can have all kinds of logical, linear, reasonable, rational, and you can say, yeah, but, you know, I can see what their choices are creating. I can see the destruction. You can come from any point of view that you want to. The bottom line is it doesn't matter if the person you're trying to save doesn't want what you're offering. You know, you can can look at somebody, like like let's just take a, a, a homeless person, right? You know, you feel so bad for that homeless person, and so you're going to pick him off off the street, and you're going to save him, you're going to rehabilitate him, you're going to get him a job, you're going to get him whatever, 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 whatever. Because your point of view that it was, oh, my God, that's so awful. You pity. Pity, pity, pity. Pity is another part of the triangle, just got to say. Oh, my God, that poor, 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 poor person, that poor homeless person. I just pity them. I'm going to help them. Because you would never choose to be homeless. So according to you... No one would ever choose to be homeless. That is, that is something that no one would ever choose. No one would ever want that. That's horrible. And because your point of view is that no one would ever choose that, no one would ever want that, you're going to help the person. And so you try and help them. You start helping them, and you don't get very far before they're, refu- they're starting to resist your help. They're starting to resist what you're offering, and they're actually trying to get away from you. And you're like, come on, yep. I'm only trying to help you. And and because they're not appreciating your help, then oops, you slaved over into victim, and then you know, like this is how it goes. And then you're you know you're f- trying to force them to take what you're offering, whatever that is, because you've decided that no one in their right mind would ever choose to be homeless. When all the while, that person might be quite aware of their choice, might be quite happy with their choice. Maybe not in a way that you understand happy, but happy is different for everyone. And they don't want what you're offering. They don't want what you're trying to give them, what you're forcing at them. 
then you're tr- when you're trying to force somebody to take what you're offering when they don't want it, you're a bully. That's a bully. Now it doesn't have to be as you know something like um, uh, you know homeless. It can be just some simple advice. You know, somebody's sharing something yep. with you that's going on in their life, and suddenly you have the right answer. Oh, I know exactly what you should do. Let me tell you. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Did the person yeah. ask for your advice? Did you offer it with a question? Did you say something like, oh, I had something similar to me. Would you like to hear how I handled that? Or did you just start saying, oh, you've got the answer and you're going to shove it down their throat whether they want it or not? These are the subtleties. Like if you ask a question, if you do the, oh, I had something very similar happen to me, would you like to know how I resolved it? That is somebody who's not on the triangle. Mm-hmm. That's somebody who's just willing to, to offer something if the other person wants it. They're asking a question, do you want what I have to offer? But if you're going to just be like, oh, I know the solution, I know the answer, I'm going to tell you what it is, and God forbid you should refuse it because then I'll force it upon you, then you're on the triangle. Uh-huh. Then you're playing the bully. It can be that subtle. Right. And, you know, it's so interesting. I was observing a group of people who were diabetic, and they were being offered a like a membership to YMCA and all this, you know, peer coaching and, you know, support group and rah, rah, rah and all this stuff. And I witnessed as there was this invitation, 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 invitation. And then there was this moment where somebody said, I know me and I am not ready to change my life. And I watched as somebody who had been standing up as, you know, this great example and look at me and all the changes I made and I'm so amazing and wonderful and da-da-da-da-da, literally turn to somebody and say, well, if you want to fuck up your life, have a great time, and turn away and refer to the person as an idiot for dismissing what was being – and I watched that and I observed it, and I thought to myself, do you think they'll ever come back? <laughs> like, at right. What point is that invitation not come with a shit ton of attachments, right? And and how often is that? You know, I I remember I was watching as my you know four kids were taught how to drive, and I would watch as you know their stepdad or dad, depending on what who, which child it was, and how they were taught how to drive and how the judgments would play out as to when they didn't do it right. And the names that go on. And here's how you know. If somebody doesn't choose what you would choose for them, do you have a name for them? Idiot. Like idiot. Moron. <laughs> bonehead. Do you have a name for somebody who doesn't, who doesn't choose what you choose? Do you have a name for them? Most likely. If you do, you're really good at playing that role of villain. That's one way yeah. that I know. If I... If I go to a name or a label, I know in my head there's a judgment and I'm playing villain. That's one of the ways I call myself out, like, whoo, hi, who's that? Like, you know, hello, superior bitch just stepped in. <laughs> you know, who's in charge? Yep. Because that is something that happens is we, when we must label in order to justify how right we are and how wrong somebody else is, we are playing on the triangle. We're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, do you belittle people who won't take your help, who won't take your advice? Do you belittle them? Do you have to make them wrong? Do you have to make them feel bad? Do you use uh, labels and, you know, name-calling? When people won't take the help that you're trying to shove down their throats, do you belittle them and make them wrong for that? That's the slippery slope from I'm going to save you to I'm now going to, uh, I'm now judging you as the villain, as the persecutor. Yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) It is a game. Like, it's a trick. And the weird thing is, it isn't a game that's set. Like, 
like you showed with your dad, the example of your dad, like da 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 da, I was trying this, trying this, didn't work. <laughs> Victim will work for me now after all we've done for you. Yeah. It's not yep. at that location. And and anybody that this I have not said this. We didn't say this on yesterday's show, but I wanna bring this up. If you are hearing this and you're saying, I want to see this, I wanna I wanna understand this. All you have to do is go to the entertainment industry. There is not yeah. one show, not one TV, movie, cable. It does not matter. There's not one show that's not built on this. That's what the story is. Every Disney mm-hmm. movie, there's all, every character is portrayed. Okay. One of my favorite shows, because you can see the different angles of so many um, sides of it, is there is a movie out called Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy, Crazy Stupid Love with uh, Stephen, Stephen Carroll, I believe is his name. That is one of the best movies for watching this play out, this dynamic, because the characters slide around the, each of the roles so quickly and easily that it's really easy to watch in a, in a playful kind of way. Okay, so if you want something entertaining, entertaining, any show will really reveal it. But you know, it's really funny. I've got a friend who's super into Game of Thrones, and she was really telling me a lot of times for quite a while, "You ought to watch the show." And I was like, "I don't know, I don't know, I don't know." And I started watching. And I was like, "Holy shit, this is brilliant!" You know, like playing the drama game out. This is this is brilliant, and. And it's just true. So if you're wondering how this plays out, just start watching. Watch your favorite shows. Who are your favorite characters? And what role do they play most often? That will mm-hmm. reveal a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, just, I just Googled that. Crazy Stupid Love with Steve Carell. He's living the yeah. American dream. He has a great job, a beautiful house, great children, beautiful wife. And then his life seemingly starts to unravel. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a, that sounds like definitely a good one that's going to reveal the drama triangle. <laughs> I have to go watch it. <laughs> so good. Yep. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I I want to I want to introduce. Yesterday when we were talking about the victim, I I talked quite at length about how uh, part of the the position of victim is the unwillingness to take responsibility for the experience that we're having. We're either um, uh, not acknowledging where, what our choices are creating. We're blaming somebody else or we're waiting for somebody else to change our life for us, create something for us. Um, we're, We're putting the job of, of creating our experience into somebody else's hands. So I talked about that at length yesterday, and, and I want to do that a little bit with the bully position. Um, yeah. The bully, it looks a little bit different in the bully position because basically it's, um, I, and I use my dad, I just use the blanket word insecurity. Um, I'll use myself in this example, cause I, cause I did this. I, I, you know, played on the victim triangle for decades. I'm quite adept at it. Mm-hmm. And what well, mostly, as I've shared before, I was kind of, um, this closet victim. And so I had Eeyore going on in private. And then in pub- my public life, I always had to appear strong and put together and like I knew what I was doing because I felt so helpless and powerless on the inside. I didn't want anyone to ever see that because I felt like, um, well, I judged victim as helpless and powerless and weak. So I was like, no, nobody can see that. So I have to be, I have to look like what I've got it together. I have to look like I'm powerful and I have to look a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. And and the thing is, that, so there's a degree, we'll just call it um, an emotional, uh, my emotional landscape was very, um, hmm, how do I describe there was just, we'll just say anxiety, right? Like if I feel powerless and helpless, like I'm kind of afraid of everything. I'm sort of afraid of what's going to happen next. I'm kind of clinging to certainty and consistency and safety and things that can make me, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't believe in myself. I don't trust myself. I don't, I don't believe I have any kind of capability to create anything. So I have just this like general anxiety about life. Everything is sort of fearful. Everything is sort of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And how can I control it? So it doesn't happen. So 
So this whole thing about creating your experience, being willing to take responsibility for your experiences. So if I'm in the bully role, then basically I'm trying to control the shit out of everything so that I can finally have some sense of safety, like I can feel okay, so I can feel like my well-being is okay. Because most of the time I'm feeling a degree of anxiousness. I'm feeling a degree of fear. Like, I'm feeling trepidation. What's going to happen next? Oh, my God. And I'll be the victim of that, too. Whatever it is, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll be the victim of that, too. So I'm trying to control everything. It's like trying to hold a thousand beach balls underwater at the same time. If I can just get everything under control, I can finally breathe. I can finally take a deep breath and relax my body because I'm in such distress most of the time. That like I'm like okay if I could just control this over here and then control this over here and then I could control this and control this and I could just control everything. So I'm constantly trying to make other people change in order to have some sense of well-being. So again, it's making other people responsible for my experience. I don't feel okay, so I have to change you, control you, and change you completely so that I can I can have a, a false sense of certainty, a false sense of predictability, a false sense of consistency, a false sense of safety to make me feel okay. So I'm going to make I'm going to make my well-being entirely dependent on everything outside. And I have to make everybody change to be exactly the way I want them to be in order to feel that I have some some sense of control about my experience. Once again, making my experience dependent on other people. Yeah. That's how the bully bully does it. That's how the bully does it. The bully needs everything. Everything must go my way. So everyone has to be, the shoulds are rampant, the expectations are rampant, the projections are rampant. Everything has to go my way so I can be okay. But 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 my sense of safety comes from outside, so I can control everybody to be the way I want them to be because they're responsible for my experience. That's Absolutely. what it looks like to a bully. Yeah. And it, it's very interesting to me how many bullies are actually trying to control to manage that internal anxiety, that internal That's why they're panic doing it. and fear. Yeah. Yep. That's I, why they're doing it. I spoke with somebody who was saying, oh, my gosh, and it's not wrong of me to care if, you know, when she leaves work so that I can estimate when she should drive home and when I should expect her. Because if something happened to her along the way, I should know that time so I know when to be worried. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute, time out, time out, hold on. So everybody should play along with reporting to you so you can make sure they're okay. Yes. And the commitment, the Fight to be right about that level of control is what kept the cloak of invisibility around anything where absolute responsibility for their own his own life could be. It kept it in denial. No, this is just how I love. Meanwhile, not receiving the feedback. I'm suffocating here. Stop controlling me. This is abusive. Mm-hmm. Like can't hear it. Does not compute. Because Mm-mm. he's fooled himself because he can't see it within himself, that that's what he's doing, because he's calling it a different name. And it, it's disguised within in himself what's actually going on. And that's, that's where these, I think hacking these operating systems is such a gift, is we have to consider, if I were going to be a villain in this situation, how would I do it? Being curious about that, because if I think about who's my favorite villain, okay, let's just go to movies again. Let's go fictional. Let's play it safe with fiction, right? (laughs) Even though it's a great mirror. Let's play it safe with fiction. Who's my favorite villain, okay? What qualities about that villain do I freaking admire? Most likely, they are the very things I'm pretending I don't use. Most likely, the very qualities are the ones that I'm in denial that I use because I'm pretending like they're not in me because I've wrapped them up tight. So knowing I can be 
I know I can be a superior bitch. I know that my humor can be absolutely used as a weapon. I know that. That way when it does show up, I recognize it instead of being like, oh, no, I would never use sarcasm as a superpower. Never. I'm so nice and funny. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I see it coming. In fact, it's a clue. Like, oh, this, I'm super snarky coming on. It is not a good time to go around family. <laughs> I got to go clear my debris. <laughs> and yeah. That's a lot where the um, the passive aggressive can come out too. Oh yeah, it's a lot oh, yeah. of where that passive aggressive can come out too. Mm-hmm. This is this this I mean there, there's so many ways that that can show up on the triangle. Um, we I'll just go remind you know like when people uh, when people don't take your help when they don't take your advice does. Uh, because cause this is a this is like a this is the passive way of being a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of sarcasm, not all, but a lot of sarcasm is a passive aggressive way of making of being a villain without looking like a bad guy. Yeah, because there's so many people who don't want to be the bad guy. I'm telling you, the the like that is one thing that people they want to be seen as, seen as nice as good. They don't want to be seen as a bad guy. So if somebody doesn't want to take your help, doesn't want to take your advice, and you you're not willing, they're not you're not flipping over into the to the visible bully, then you'll turn into the passive aggressive snarky, um, uh, 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 sarcastic. I see mm-hmm. this. Oh my God! In families, oh, in yeah. families where there's there's a uh, like it could be a matriarch of the family or a patriarch of the family. And if the person has not um, kind of dealt with where they have placed that matriarch or patriarch as greater than them, if they're still acting as if that person is greater than them, then they can't ever see be seen as outwardly being aggressive. So they'll do it in um, sarcasm, passive aggressive sarcasm. Yep. They'll, they'll like get all their shots in, so that the person can they'll come back and be like, "Who me? I oh, I was just joking." I yeah, I was just right. Uh-huh. I didn't really, I didn't really just stab you in the back with my words, <laughs> because I have to, exactly. I have to maintain my position of lesser than you because you're the, you're the matriarch. Mm-hmm. It's these family dynamics. Uh, this is just one of the ways I see that play out in family dynamics. Oh my gosh, are we literally? I just looked at the time. <laughs> is that correct? Yeah, we've got two. We minutes. have like three minutes happened? left in the show. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is like five minutes. You <laughs> know. Yeah, this is such a juicy topic. And as you can hear, and I've I've kind of watched as the conversation been unfolding. We just like with the victim, the villain is the same. We come at it from such different ways that Cameron, I cannot tell you how it looks for you. This uh-uh. is why nope. This is not something we have the answer to. This is something where your curiosity, your curiosity and willingness to become aware of what's going on for you is required. If you are going to hack how this is playing out in your life, it is necessary, it is vital, it is required that you get curious and know and become aware how you do this, not anybody else. It's easy to say, oh, they do that, and she does this, and he does that. Oh, he's so good at this, and they're the best victim, and da-da-da. So easy to point out there. This one requires look in. you got to look inside, see where it's playing out, because this is sneaky bugger. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So subtle, so sneaky. Yep. And pervasive insidious everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is. So, you know, we're wrapping up this. Here we are. It just feels like this needs to be a two-hour show. Easy. But, oh, well, we've got tomorrow. Oh, we're in half the operating system of Hero. So, yeah. Wow. Kind of blows me away. Really fast. Oh, and that's going to be fun, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, you guys. You've got today to hack the villain. Have fun with that. And I am Jen Halterman. That's Yonker. And... 
together, we are seducing aliveness, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.